I know Billy was saying that uh, we're not preparing for a fire, but I know that that's been our prayer for many years, is that the fire of God would come. And so we do pray that we'll just experience this morning just the, the warmth and just that lovely presence of Christ to draw near. And I do pray that you'll be really encouraged and blessed. You know, there's something lovely about being able to come away from the world for just that moment where we can get refreshed. You know, the Lord's day was meant to be the first day of the week. It was the day that you got refreshed and revived and then you were ready to live out your life to the glory of God for the rest of the week. But I think sometimes we've turned it the wrong way around. I think often we've made Sunday or the Lord's day the last day of the week where we work, 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 and then we collapse into the Lord's day where we're just so exhausted but I do pray this morning that you will actually find a wonderful Sabbath rest to strengthen you and to really just lift your heart. And so we're going to worship the Lord together in our opening hymn, The Splendor of the King. And then, of course, we go into How Great Thou Art. And we'll stand to sing.
Well, amen. What a beautiful, beautiful hymn and lovely singing. So let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious and eternal and loving God, oh, how we worship you this morning. We can see with the hymn writer how great is our God. And therefore, Lord, our hearts do sing for how great is our God. And so, Lord, as we join in prayer this morning, Lord, we join not just as a small assembly, but we join with that great assembly. Lord, those who have gone on before us, who now worship before the, the Lamb of God. Lord, they rejoice and they sing and Lord, they get to see the greatness and the goodness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But Lord, today we thank you for your wonderful invitation. You invite us to come up, to draw near, and to enter into those very courts of praise and of thanksgiving. And so, Lord, we receive your invitation. Lord, our desire is to enter. Oh, let us come into that place of worship. And Lord, oh, that we would sing the praises of our great Redeemer. And Lord, as we today worship and praise you, Lord, we're also aware that we have fallen so far short of your glory. But Lord, we come to a God who abounds in mercy and love and redemption. And Lord, it's your desire to forgive, to cleanse, to grant newness of life, to refresh us and to revive us. And so, Lord, wash us clean, purify our hearts. May today the Lord's day be the beginning of a new season in our lives. Lord, give us that joy of the redeemed and may we know the joy of the Lord to be our strength. Lord, empower us with your Holy Spirit to truly live out that gospel-driven life. Oh, that we would live for your glory. But Lord, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it just by our own desires and by our own works. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, may your Holy Spirit today be poured upon us. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would fill this sanctuary and our hearts and our homes. And so, Lord, bless us as we continue to seek your face. And may we worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, we offer you these prayers in Jesus' precious name and who taught us to pray together, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we take our Bible reading from the book of Ruth there in the Old Testament and from the beginning of the chapter of chapter 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the kinsman redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Malan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Amen. May the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. The book of Ruth, it was meant to be a book that would guide you. And so we've been led on this amazing journey with Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. We've been led from Moab to Bethlehem there in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2 we were led into the fields of Boaz. And then, of course, in chapter 3, we came to the threshing floor. And so this journey has led us into the arms of Christ, our Redeemer. We've been led into the fields, God's fields of abounding grace. And we've been invited to 
come under the shelter of his wings. But this morning, we journey to the city gates. Or here we notice in the NIV it says the town gates. But here we come now to the city gates of Bethlehem. And so the book of Ruth, it doesn't just guide us. The book of Ruth is meant to prepare us. And we've been sharing over these weeks of the, this great theme. That the book of Ruth prepares us for the king. The coming king. In every chapter, God's sovereign hand of grace is working there behind all the scenes. God is working all things together for good. Well, as we enter into chapter 4, we're brought to the city gates or the town gates. And this place is known also as the place of redemption. This is the place that Boaz has to go in order to redeem Naomi and Ruth and the property. So here's Boaz in verses 1 and 2. We find him now at the place of redemption. And it was an important place. This was the place where all the legal business of the day happened for the town. All the elders would gather there to deal with issues and problems of the day. All the legal matters all happened at the gates. That was the gates of the city. It dealt with justice, righteousness, and truth. And so here Boaz comes. In Psalm 87 at verse 2, we're told that God delights in the gates of Zion. And there in Joshua 20 at verse 4, we, we read about the cities of refuge. When they flee to one of these cities, they are to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state their case before the elders of that city. Then the elders are to admit the fugitive into their city and provide a place to live among them. The city gates. It was an important place. It was to be the place of redemption. In Hebrews chapter 13, we're reminded of Christ our Redeemer. In order to sanctify the people with his blood, he suffered outside the gate. Isn't that remarkable? Just outside the gate. That's where Christ would redeem and sanctify his people. And so here at the gates, Boaz sits down. And then we hear this phrase, and behold, here's the kinsman, the nearer kinsman that, Booth, that Boaz and Ruth had been talking about, the one who was nearer than Boaz. And it's almost as if it was a surprise. Wow! Just as Boaz got to the city, as he came into the city gates, Here's this nearer kinsman who's just going out, maybe out to his fields. But you know, there's no coincidence with God. God was bringing these redeemers together. And so Boaz calls this man over. Now he's not given a name. We're not told his name. It's as if Boaz is saying, Oh, Mr. So-and-so, come here. He's not given a name. 
And it's, it seems to be an idiom, a kind of nickname or a, I don't know, some kind of, you know, Mr. So-and-so can hear. And I don't think Boaz is trying to be rude that he's forgotten his name. But here, Boaz meets with this nearer kinsman. And so from this place of redemption, now Boaz comes to the place where he wants to claim the right of redemption. And so we come to this discussion. Notice verses 3 and 4. Boaz now comes explaining the rights of redemption. Who has the rights to redeem Naomi and Ruth? And so Boaz explains to the nearer kinsman, you are, you have the right of redemption. Naomi and Ruth, they're too poor to claim the rights of their own property, their dead husband's property. Elimelech and also Killian and Malin, their properties, Ruth and Naomi can't afford it. They need to sell their property in order to live. They need money to live off. And so it's up to you. You are the nearer kinsman. You are their redeemer. You have the right of redemption. And so Boaz now reminds the nearer kinsman of his duties. He explains that the nearer kinsman, you can buy the land and keep it in the family. And so he calls upon this nearer kinsman. Now, you're the kinsman. Buy the land and make sure it's kept in the family of Elimelech and Malin. For you are first in line to buy it. And so the kinsman, you know, when you're reading the story and when we've been following in chapter 3, we have our hearts are just saying, oh, he's not going to accept it. He's not going to accept it because we know Boaz is going to be the redeemer. But then we get this shock sentence. The kinsman agrees to be the nearer kinsman, the redeemer. I will redeem the property. And you know, if we don't know the end of the story, our hearts just sink, don't they? But now, in verse 5, I want you to notice, Boaz, oh, he's a wise man. He now reminds the nearer kinsman who's just accepted the rights of redemption, he now explains the small print. And as he explains the small print, which is, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Uh-oh. And as this nearer kinsman hears the small print, I'm sure Boaz must have reminded him as well of the duties of the kinsman. Remember, it's not just about the property. In Leviticus chapter 25, the kinsman was to redeem not just the land, but those who were enslaved in the land. They were to look after the poor. In Genesis 38 and in Deuteronomy 25, 
we're told that the kinsmen had to provide an heir. They were to protect the family line. And they were to protect the family name. And here's the nearer kinsman now just thinking of his own family. He's thinking of his own name and he knows that his name is going to get lost in all this transaction. That if he takes, if he redeems Naomi and Ruth and all the property, his inheritance, what about his children? He's now going to have to raise up the heir to Ruth and Naomi. The redeemer, the nearer redeemer, his duty was also to be a trustee. He was to guard over his people, to look after them and to be responsible for them. He was to be a father to the fatherless and a defender of the widow. That was the nearer kinsman. That was the duties. And so in verse 6, we now come to the refusal. Here's now the nearer kinsman. I can't do it. I can't do it. You can have the right of redemption. Now, we may just take this and just say, well, okay, fair enough. I, I totally get it. I understand why he did that. But... I think we have to understand the culture. To refuse the rights of redemption was a shame on that family and on that nearer kinsman. He would have been shamed. To refuse to be a redeemer kinsman meant that you cared more about yourself than your people, than your family. And this, re, this nearer kinsman it was tradition that a widow could shame him in public, in front of everyone. And she was to spit in his face. And he would be shamed. And he would walk off with his tail between his legs. And so here this nearer kinsman refused to secure his brother's name. He didn't want to keep the family line isn't it amazing now when we think in the book of Ruth did you notice we don't know his name we don't know his name I just wonder if that's the way the writer meant it that he was shaming this man in a way because he didn't honour the name of Malan and Elimelech that his name wasn't honoured in the book of Ruth and so now in verses 7 and 8 we notice now everything has to be signed and sealed. We now come to the signing of the documents. Well, can I take that image away from you? <laughs> Remember in these days you didn't have pen and paper where you signed the documents and then you stamped to have it all approved and settled. No, in these days to sign the documents meant you took your sandal off and you gave it to the other person. And that meant that everything was done. The transaction is complete. And so the nearer kinsman took off his sandal when he refused. He took off his sandal and he gave his receipt to Boaz. The transaction's done. It is finished. Boaz, you are the great redeemer. 
You are the nearer kinsman. You have the right to redeem. You have the rights of redemption. And so here in front of all the witnesses and by this time we're told that a crowd was gathering. Oh, the whole town took an interest in this. Everyone in Bethlehem must have been there at the door of the gates just listening in. And so now in verses 9 to 11 we notice now comes the purchase of redemption. Boaz, like the wonderful redeemer he is, he wants everything legally binding in front of witnesses. He calls everyone, he says to the elders and everyone who had gathered, you are witnesses today. I want everything that's done here. I want everyone to know that I am, yes, the nearer kinsman. I am the redeemer. But I want it all legally done. I want everything binding so that there's no comeback on this. No one can say in generations to come, oh, I can't remember that happening. No, you are witnesses today. Here's Boaz. He goes out of his way to fulfill everything, every legal matter. Boaz completes. He fulfills all righteousness. He does everything. He fulfills the law. He keeps the law perfectly in order to be the Redeemer. Are you getting a picture here? Are you seeing Christ, our Redeemer? Jesus had to keep the law perfectly. Jesus lived a sinless life. He had to in order to be our Redeemer. And here's Boaz making sure that everything is done. That everything has been completed. And so Boaz now has the rights of redemption. And he buys the property of Naomi and he now takes Ruth as his wife. And you know, sometimes I, I ask, Boaz, why did you go to so much trouble? And you know, Boaz would probably say to me, well, Scott, it wasn't just about Naomi. It wasn't just about Ruth. Yes, I loved Ruth. But you know, in order to... It was in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Oh, Boaz. Here again, he said, you know, yes, I love Ruth, but you know, I want to honor her family. I want to honor her husband, Malin, as I said at the beginning. Malin may not have had his name registered at the city gates of Bethlehem because he was in Moab. He lived his days as a young boy. Remember, they left for Moab. And so maybe Malin's name had not been registered at the gates of Bethlehem. And so here's Boaz. I don't want to forget Malin. I don't want to forget our family. And do you know what it reminds me of? That very act of Boaz reminds me of, see, when we go through the gates of heaven, when that day comes when we shall enter into glory, we're told at the gates of heaven the names of the tribes are inscribed on the gates. Isn't that lovely? 
We are going to go through the gates of the city and the names of the tribes inscribed. You know, God loves his people. He knows you by name. He said, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Today, Jesus, our great redeemer, has called you by name. Your name is written in the books of heaven in glory. You are inscribed there. And when we go through the city, into these, through these gates, into the glory of heaven, if you remember, will you have a wee look up and see what tribe is above you? Oh, and so here, Boaz purchases. He has the purchase of redemption, and he redeems Malin's name. He redeems the family of Elimelech. He redeems Naomi. He redeems Ruth. He redeems the land. He redeems their home. What a wonderful redeemer. He sets them free. And then the book of Ruth closes. And I will finish with this. It closes with that wonderful blessing. First of all, there's a blessing for Ruth. May the Lord Yahweh, the promise-keeping God, make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. Here's a wonderful blessing. The people declare, Oh, we love Ruth too. May she not be like the maids, Bilhah and Zilpah. She's no handmaid. She's no servant girl. She's like a daughter of Israel. She's like Rachel and Leah. The one, those mothers who were the foundations to the house of God, to the house of Israel. May Ruth be like that. What a wonderful blessing. And of course, Ruth did build up the house of God. It was through Ruth that the house and the dynasty of King David comes. And so here, what a blessing, that through Ruth would come a king and a redeemer. And then there's a blessing for Boaz. May you be famous in Bethlehem and may your offspring be like Perez. Well, we know that the Perizzites, they were honorable, they were numerous, and they were the ancestors of the people of Bethlehem. And so Boaz did indeed become famous, didn't he? Go to Matthew chapter 1, and what do we read? We read, there the name of Boaz, in the genealogy of Jesus Matthew chapter 1, go and read it. It's lovely when you follow how Sal Salmon begat Boaz. And Boaz begat Obed. What a blessing for Boaz. May you be famous in Bethlehem. And may your offspring be like Perez. May you be famous, but not just in Bethlehem. 
Boaz would become famous in Israel. But he would also become famous throughout the whole of history. A wonderful ancestor of Jesus himself, our great Messiah. And then, of course, there's a blessing for Naomi. God had visited his people. He had given them the gift of bread. And now God gives Naomi the gift of a son. Isn't that lovely? Here's, the, here's Granny. She's got Obed in her arms, on her lap. What a blessing. Obed. Obed means servant. Here's the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord born in Bethlehem. And we're told there, the servant of Jehovah comes. Obed is born. And of course, Obed will then have a child called Jesse. And then Jesse is going to have a son called David. And then David is going to have a future son. The son of God. Jesus Christ, the Messiah our Redeemer and our coming King. What a blessing. And we're told that this servant, Naomi, he's going to redeem you. He will restore you and he will sustain you. He will nourish you in old age. He will bless you. Bread is back in the house of bread. Jesus, the bread of life, he will redeem you. He will restore you. He will sustain you. Today, oh, will you put your trust in the Redeemer, our nearer kinsman, and may he restore you, may he redeem you, may he sustain you, even in old age. May he bless you, from Zion. Oh, may we praise the Lord this morning. And so, let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for being our King and being our Redeemer. And we thank you for being in our presence this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit will move among each one of us just now, touching each person here and meeting their needs. We pray too for those watching and listening on the internet and telephone that you would bless them too. We thank you that you share your love equally amongst us all. Lord, we thank you that the climate change protests in Glasgow went peacefully and we continue to pray for those who will make the decisions in these matters that you will give them wisdom. We pray that there will not only be a move to change the way we live that affects our planet, but there will be a, also be a groundswell of revival and a move of your Holy Spirit throughout our land. Lord, as we see the weather turning colder and wetter, we pray for those in our community who are homeless, 
We ask the Lord to bless them and to keep them safe. We thank you for those who look out for them and for the food banks that are available for those who need food. We thank you for those who donate to our own crisis bags and ask you to bless those who volunteer to deliver them. Lord, we thank you for the blessings of family, for those who know you as Saviour, but we also bring before you those who do not, the parent or grandparent, the brother or sister, son or daughter or grandchildren. We ask you to give us the opportunity to share your love with them and for their hearts to be open. We pray too for our neighbours that they may see you reflected through us. And again we thank you for the opportunity to bring our tithes and offerings and ask you to bless them and use them for the extension of your kingdom. All these things, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to let you keep your seats as we worship together in this next hymn. I know here at the High Court, many of us were learning this hymn over the, the past couple of years, and it's a beautiful hymn, and the words are very, very precious. By grace I am redeemed, by grace I am restored, and now I freely walk into the arms of Christ my Lord. So let's worship together.
And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship and the comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.